Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's back. It's better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for another football season. And as always, BetOnline, it's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, there are more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your bonus football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at betonline.ag it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports betonline where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming to the pod super excited to have this guest on it's an nfc north clash week it is week four and man, both of us right now, I think we're dealing with a lot of traumatic elements in our life right now. I've been guesting a lot on his Detroit Kool-Aid cast with the Believe in Lions podcast. I'm so excited to have him over to my house for a cup of tea, maybe a cup of Kool-Aid myself. It's Derek Oakery. Derek, how are you, man? Joey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm recovering from this past Sunday where my team uh, definitely had a very tough ending, as did yours there in Chicago. So I'm ready to talk about this uh, matchup with both those teams heading up against each other this Sunday. Yeah, it's interesting. There's so much to look forward to this Sunday, and yet I think both teams are still looking in the past just a little bit at what transpired. Both of them horrific in each of their own unique different ways. Walk Bears fans uh, through, walk the listeners through a little bit just in case they missed the game. Just what was your reactions, your emotions to that delay of game, the Sammy Watkins, Justin Tucker, fourth quarter, all of it. Give us a chance. You get a chance to vent a little bit here. All right, uh, I will I will keep it tight for the Bears fans that are listening. But bringing the Lions' perspective, I mean, I was there in person. the The offense put up a goose egg in the first half, but held Baltimore to ten. I mean, you tell me it's ten zero at half. I feel good. Um, as that game progressed, the offense got going. DeAndre Swift got going. Um, you know, Goff was doing what he needed to do, which was hit open people. We ended up putting up points, taking the lead a little conservative late. But that final drive by Baltimore, I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. As you hit on it, Lions are sacking Lamar Jackson. Time is running out. He escapes the sack, uh, gets to the sideline, which I think was the biggest play of the ball game, to be honest, that nobody's talking about. There was a, a clean sack by Julian O'Quara that he missed. Lamar got his all the way from the middle of the field to the sideline. Clock stopped. Then the craziness happened with... The, the, the big fourth and 19, I mean, you just can't have that happen. I mean, just doesn't happen in other football games. It's inexcusable, to be honest. But after that, I mean, it's an obvious delay game. I'm yelling it three <laughs> times at the game before the snap even happened. So it, it was obvious to me there, especially when I saw the video. Um, the 66-yard kick, I mean, you're going to have lots of Lions fans tell you, oh, SOL, that always happens to us. I mean... I can't believe it happened, but to me, it's almost that's a tip of a cap of a heck of a play by the one of the really great kickers. But to have it with no time on the clock to hit the crossbar to go somehow the other direction that it always goes and to go in was just something else. I mean, lots of people with their jaws on the floor just standing there could not believe how that game ended. Yeah, it's a, it's a trade magnifique for a lot of stuff. I think for any sports fan when they're watching it, you're just like. This and then this and then this. I mean, the delay of game, mm. I definitely think you guys got 
a lot of bones to pick with that one in particular. I mean, I think what was it? It was a it was like two seconds almost in total with the clock being on zero the entire time. And then in terms of Justin Tucker, I'm with you, man. Hall of Fame kicker, but 66 yards off the post, and then you're right, man. Goes the other way, goes into it. I mean, just a really tough Lions loss. And now they're looking forward to this Bears team. Where let's just start here, man, because honestly, you know, I come on your pod a lot, and we both had. Our, our different level of high hopes and optimisms heading into the season. And now we find ourselves at week four. And I think maybe both sides are scratching their head a little bit, but you know, be honest with yourself, man. Our, after maybe seeing what the bears did against the Browns this Sunday, I mean, you guys got to feel like you got a real chance in this one. Well, that, that's, what's interesting is, you know, the, the word around here in Detroit is like, Oh, this is a winnable game. You know, this is one that the lions uh, get off the schneid, maybe get a win. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a very passionate fan and, and person that follows the lines, but I also am looking at, you know, I'm not overdoing it of what the, the opposite reaction on Justin Fields has be has been. I'm sure we'll get to that, but it seemed like all the hype went away in one start, which I can agree. It wasn't great, but this is a game. It's a, it's a divisional battle. It's one that's on the road um, in your house. So I, I'm not chalking this up as a W by any means, but I think as you noted, it's a very curious game between both teams who are kind of like unsure on where they're at on both sides of the football. You know, they haven't performed probably optimally as, as their fan base would want them. And we will definitely see what happens when they kick it off for sure. Yeah. And, and man, you know me, we've done a lot of pods together. We're buddies and stuff. I try and, you know, be as honest as I can. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, you know, typically, when you know whatever the preseason schedule comes out maybe you look at week four at home versus the lions and a lot of bears fans just grab out the marker and they circle a big w right next to it and it probably stayed that way for a couple weeks but i tell you man we're taping this on a tuesday right now this is going to air a little bit later in the week here i'm uh, bet on chicago but i'm a little terrified i do not think this is a guarantee i think that you guys and we're going to get into it in just a second i think you guys bring a lot of things to the table that the bears actually kind of lack right now just in terms of um the way that you guys have a little bit of a gritty approach right now the way that you guys are able to maintain i mean you've played for portions of each game you know you've played well against the 49ers you've played well against the packers and you've played well against the lions for portions of each of those games i don't know if bears can the bears can say that exact same thing and i think there may be a little bit of more of a toss-up this weekend than bears fans would like to feel like i'm with you man i do feel like possibly they can still come out with a victory but man this is not going to be easy right now let me ask you this just going back to it you know if you could put your finger on it a little bit you know you guys score some points against the 49ers in the second half you take a lead heading into halftime against the packers and then again with this ravens game last week what is it missing that's kind of preventing you guys from putting together four quarters of football right now yeah, it's a good question. You you said portions of each game they've been decent or, you know, played some decent football. And that's what I think we think here. It's kind of not been able to put a, uh, two halves together, not being able to put consistent quarters together. One time, you know, the offense is doing decent. The, the, the D is struggling and vice versa. So I, I think when you're looking at it from the Lions perspective, I mean, everybody here knows that they're retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it on the fly. There's not a lot of high expectations, but when you go take a team like Baltimore, regardless of their running backs being out and their COVID issues they were having, that was a game that no one gave the Lions a chance whatsoever. I mean, you go into that game and people were hoping that it wasn't going to be a huge lopsided score. I think the spread was 
was up in the double digits again. I mean, we've seen that multiple times and the Lions hung with not only the Ravens, but in Green Bay's house, we were were playing great football for half. So uh, when you can play San Francisco, I mean, uh, that game went back and forth at the end as well. So those are three really tough teams. I don't think you'd see many Lions fans thinking that we were coming out of that with multiple W's, but to show that they can sort of hang in certain areas is great. And we've got injury issues as well. I mean, losing our number three overall pick, Jeff Okuda early, and, you know, still kind of coming along with this offense, no real big name receivers and whatnot. So I think they just need to sort of hang their hat on what their defense did this past week against uh, Baltimore, try to get after the quarterback and create some havoc as they did and turn the football over. That's always the biggest stat to me. And, Jared Goff has just been average, you know, and DeAndre Swift's coming on. It's kind of like they're trying to find themselves on the offense is kind of how I see it. What is your take on Jamie Collins right now? You know, sometimes that's a big name that's out there in the free agent market. You guys have moved on from him. I'm getting texts from some Bears buddies being like, does he have any juice left? So I'm going to ask you, Derek, does Jamie Collins have any juice left or are the Lions doing the right thing, letting him go? Joey. I mean, you like you've mentioned before, you've been on my pod. We talk. I, I think I've done some some big rants on my other show uh, about Jamie Collins. This this was a, a Patriots player. This guy was good probably eight plus years ago. Patricia guy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he got overpaid by the Lions the minute he inked. It took me about a game and a half to watch him play to say he doesn't love football. He's not hustling. I've been trying to get this guy out of the starting spot for a long time. Addition by subtraction, moving on from Jamie Collins. I knew it was a farce saying that we were going to trade him for what? Absolutely nothing, as they did here before we got recording. They ended up releasing him. So letting Derek Barnes and some of the other young players that already proved dividends against the Baltimore Ravens, and I think it'll be a good thing against your Bears as well. So, I mean, will he latch on with a contender and and do something? We'll see, but... I, I just did not like his effort or his focus or anything that he did here in Detroit. Well, and I think it it's one of those things. I don't want to sound like some sort of sports meathead about it, but it does kind of send a message, right? Where this is Dan Campbell's show. This is a new regime. And I don't care what team you used to play for or the tackles that you made in previous seasons or the money that you're making now. If you're not producing, you're not going to be on this team. And guess what? I think in the long run, Jamie Collins probably isn't on the Lions in two years anyways when you guys are hopefully competing again. So, you know, I kind of I'm glad that you said that he wasn't producing and not being a productive player because clearly it was them just kind of cutting bait now and sort of sending a message to everyone else of, hey, you know, you got to be on your P's and Q's if you want to be able to make it. In terms of Dan Campbell, I don't want this to be I don't want this to feel like this is not a loaded question. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or anything about this, but. Can you speak a little bit on and help Bears fans kind of understand? Because I think a lot of Bears fans are still looking at, oh, the 0-3 Lions. This is going to be such an easy game, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm I'm on the other side of that. And I'm I think we need to be taking you guys as seriously as any other team right now, despite of what your record is, because you guys could have perhaps won a couple of those games early on. Can you just talk about the Dan Campbell effect of let's just say, you know, you're 0-3 right now, and let's just say, look. Of course, you're going to want the Lions to win every single game this year. Of course, that's going to happen. But if you're not going to win these games, are these scenarios kind of sort of the optimal outcomes? As heartbreaking as this last loss was of just seeing a team that's fighting, a team that doesn't give up, a team that, you know, puts a scare into someone every single week. And, you know, eventually maybe you're going to steal some wins away from people. Is it kind of going 
you know, the way that you expected with Dan Campbell so far, and what would your grade be for him through three games? Yeah, Joey, first and foremost, uh, losing on a 66-yard field goal that hits the crossbar of all Doesn't things and is not optimal by any means. One of my buddies said, well, wasn't it great to see a record kick? I was like, no. No, it wasn't great at all. So that's that's first and foremost. That's very uh, fair. That's the, very fair. <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest thing with Dan Campbell is I, I really liked – his overall feel now people are nitpicking as they always do playing Monday morning quarterback oh he 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 should have went for it at the end of the game in Baltimore oh he didn't do this he didn't do that you know to me he's he's still feeling his way as a head coach but one thing he's doing is as you said he's he's taking a short leash on people and he knows that you need to see the young talent I mean but he's not giving it to him either he didn't start Derek Barnes from day one but after a couple weeks they got together as a staff and said it's time to see our linebackers time to see some of these receivers you know he's he's been smart enough to actually use DeAndre Swift in the passing game and say he likes what Swifty is doing as he calls him so I I think he's doing a lot of good things I think there's always going to be coaching you know growing pains in regards to feeling the flow of the game he's got this new staff he's new everything really here in Detroit so overall I mean Dan Campbell for me right now has been in like that that b minus range where it's kind of like you like his vibe you like the honesty he's done he's really out front about everything you like the fact that he's not willing to just let Jamie Collins play eight more games of lazy football Um, and he's also smart enough to say yes we want to win and they're trying to create wins with scheme and all the things they're doing but it's also almost like a show me year, you know, let's see what these players have. And then let's come into to next year with those multiple first round picks, as well as a young, hungry team. Once you really see who the who the dogs are on this team, I mean, who are the ball players? I think that's what he's trying to figure out now. And I like his approach overall. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with little mishaps here or there. And he just looks like a football coach to me, which I like and can build around, you know, a guy like that. That's a leader, leader of men. Yeah, I, no, that's a great point because it's not about wins and losses this year with Dan Campbell. It's the manner of which you go in your week-in and week-out performance and what kind of team you want to build moving forward and trying to find those guys of, hey, who's going to be on these Lions teams 2022-2023 when hopefully you guys are competing again? You know, Jamie Collins, it's not you. See you later, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Brashad Perriman, not helping us right now. Kutskis, out the door. Um, rolling over to that, too. Who... You know, one week it's Khalif Raymond, next week it's Quintez Cephas. Who's the number one receiver on the Lions right now? Yeah, right right now Tyrell Williams is still out with a concussion. Not much info coming out about him. I mean, the way he got hit week one, it didn't seem that bad. So I know they IR'd him. So around this time or a week or so from now, I would hope he'd be back. I like his game, to be honest. But with him out, I mean, right now, they haven't really featured the rookie a ton, which everybody was hoping for. Uh, yeah, St. What, Brown. yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, I, I'm just not seeing a lot of targets. Is uh, is he kind of is he getting snaps right now? What's going on after such a great training camp for him? Yeah, I don't I don't have his full snap counts in front of me, but I feel like he's been out there a lot. It's just a matter of getting him the ball with those underneath routes, or they've tried to run a few reverses to him. You just haven't seen a lot of production or even the targets because Jared Goff has done what I think is smart. He's been leaning on TJ Hawkinson. I mean, this is the best uh, football player, basically him and Swift, and that's who they've been going to. Uh, Jamal Williams has been a really nice, pleasant surprise, playing really good football, Grady getting a lot of yards right up the middle, doing some nice things in the passing game as well. So when you go back to the receivers and you say, who's the number one? 
I mean, I don't know if I have it for you. I mean, as when you want to talk about wide receivers, but I know if they continue to try to get it to Hawkinson and Swift, that's your best offensive game plan. Anything that Raymond, St. Brown, Cephas give you to me as a bonus. Um, I would love to see them. They traded a pretty good asset, a fifth round pick for Trinity Benson. And people have been pretty disappointed that he really hasn't seen the field a ton or we just haven't seen a flash to like say, oh yeah, that's why you did that. That's the value. But I still kind of like that kid's game as well. Maybe he'll just come on in the next handful of weeks and the people are like, oh, there's another young piece that can, nobody's saying he's going to be a one, two, but maybe a, a three, four type receiver with some juice to be able to go down the field or make plays. We'll see. It's kind of TBD on all those guys. Yeah, Hawkinson's off to a great start. Obviously, last week was a little bit quiet, but I think that connection with him and Goff is for real. And yeah, it's been really interesting to see, you know, throughout training camp, Dan Campbell was all about how we're going to do a timeshare with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. He's stuck to that, and it's actually worked, right? Am I, am I wrong? Where I, I think last week it was Swift had 14 carries, Jamal Williams had 12. Obviously, Swift using more in the pass game, but Campbell has actually solidified the fact that that is a true one-two combo, two-headed monster, whatever you want to call it, and it seems like the Lions are getting a lot of success out of that. It's, I mean, it's really worked beautifully. Like, uh, you know, again, I was a little worried Jamal Williams and come in here. He's a real big personality, but maybe not produced the way you would hope. And it's been just the opposite. He's had the big personalities fun, but when come Sundays, he doesn't mess around. Like the fact that they're able to mix these guys in, keep Swift fresh. And I've always said, I mean, he can run between the tackles and outside DeAndre Swift, that is, but if you're doing that, you're missing out on his real skill set, which is what they use against the Ravens, little screens, you know, getting him out on linebackers. That's really where he, he had the touchdown against San Francisco, just a beautiful screen that he just took to the house. I mean, there's so much to like about that tandem. They're pretty young together. They seem to work well together. And Anthony Lynn really seems to have a nice vibe, a nice feel for when to put him in, when to mix him. I'm not ever been mad so far as like, oh, you need to do get this guy more touch like they're in and out they're sharing it and swift's doing his thing so if they can keep that going it's kind of a really nice run game and a lot of that comes from the old line which they bolstered so when you got sewell pushing people around frank rag now and the other boys up front that's finally coming together a bit more than it has i don't know the past um, three decades here in detroit where we can't run worth a lick so that's been nice to see and i think bears fans know better than anybody else it starts up front with that offensive line. It's going to be harder productive. You can draft all the, you know, the collegiate stars that you want to or sign this guy and that guy. If you don't have the offensive line up front, you might have some problems moving forward. <laughs> Got two more for you. I'm um, talking to Derek Oakry here. Cool Detroit Kool-Aid cast, Believe in Lions podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. My first one for you is as a Lions analyst, and as also as a passionate Lions fan, as you uh, profess yourself, when you look at this Chicago Bears team coming into this weekend, what area of their team do you feel like that the Lions can perhaps exploit, take advantage of, and perhaps maybe you know get a leg up to make this game interesting and perhaps come out with a win for the Lions? Yeah, it's it's a really intriguing game to me. I mean, I, I think I saw come across my phone that Khalil Mack got hurt this past game, and I know he's been getting a bit older, but if, if that guy's not tearing off the edge, that that would be helpful for, for number 16 there for the Detroit Lions to not have to worry about him as much. You know, when I look at the Bears, I'm just always sort of trying to figure out where their big strengths are. You know, I, I, I know they have Allen Robinson and Montgomery, but – 
you know, your guy Darnell Mooney and some other guys, you know, are kind of similar to the Lions where it's just we're hoping and we think, but they haven't really been producing and they don't scare people. So, I mean, that offense is one thing. The defense, you know, always gets promoted as a a top mid-level defense. And I always think, you know, I can't name you many uh, high-end corners. They got Roquan there in the middle. So, I, I think the Lions team, to be honest, is is pretty confident for like a team that is 0-3. They also feel Jared Goff has really been excellent in all his interviews where he has like a new breath of fresh air here, of not the same old answers that we got from Stafford and just kind of a, you know, we're going to come in and do what we do and, and try to win ball games and and he just doesn't seem afraid of the moment, which I like. So I think the Lions come in and just put together a, a scheme, you know, I would say just they're going to try to be balanced again on offense. Their defense, the key to me with their defense is they're really thin at cornerback. So on our side, like because of injuries and whatnot, we got a lot of no-name people playing corners well, but these guys really stepped up last week as well as the pass rush. So if you can get pass rush and turnovers, I think that'll help the Lions against that Bears offense. I am, I'm very afraid. I know they've been saying they don't know who's going to play quarterback. I, I feel like, yes, everything looked bad on paper with Justin Fields, but everything before that was positive from your side. So I feel like I would roll that kid out again, and the Lions are going to have to make him feel the way he did last week and, and not let him get going early. That'd be my, my approach on defense. And and Jared Goff, you know, he's middle of the, middle of the pack, 13th, you know, in passing yards, uh, a lot of attempts, you know, sixth in attempts. He's really been throwing it 40-plus times a game. That's not necessarily what we want. So he's just right in the middle and and you'd like him to put it together or lead his team to a victory here in Chicago. But, you know, we'll wait and see. Still got to get that win. And Dan Campbell, they need to get a win under their belt. I don't know if it happens this week, but I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. It's almost to the point now where I would like to think I would know how they're going to react and respond this weekend. But at this point with head coach Matt Nagy at the helm, I really don't know how to feel at this point. So uh, all bets are off, Derek. All bets are off. My final question for you. You kind of touched on it in in portions there just a little bit. So I'm curious to see what your answer is. I ask this question of all of my guests that come on when we do a little eye on the enemy. We bring the opponents, analysts on to talk about the upcoming matchup. Finish this sentence for me. The Bears will win in week four if blank. Oh, man, the Bears will win. Okay, let me anything. I mean, gosh, I just I just hinted on it there. I mean, the Bears, you, you can't go to Nick Foles. You can't go back to Andy Dalton at this point. I don't know what his injury status is, but the, the Bears will win if, if that prize rookie quarterback of yours runs around, you know, able to hit guys open. There's going to be guys open against the Detroit Lions. We don't have lockdown cover guys. We're not going to be able to 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 pressure you all day. We didn't even do it against the Ravens. We just had some pressure, which helped rather than none. So you guys are going to win if, if Fields, you know, goes from everybody counting him out now to going back to where, wow, he runs, he can throw, you know, make some plays outside the pocket and the Lions, if they're not sticky in coverage. And I think the Lions created at least an interception and they had a fumble on a punt that got called back. So they're going to have to keep creating those. So if the, if the Bears can also prevent turning the football over, then... I just think there's always going to be points to be had right now against the, against the Lions defense, and uh, that that would be my thing to victory. Put it on on number one there for you guys, and, and let him try to get it done. 
Derek Oakry, the host of Detroit Kool-Aid Cast, Believe in Lions Podcast, and the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you so much for hopping on, Derek. And also, real quick, you're going to throw your socials out for all the listeners that are checking out this pod. But everyone listening right now, hop on over, check out Detroit Kool-Aid Cast, because I'm hopping on with him. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to preview uh, Bears-Lions. I'm hopefully going to help walk him through the devastation that is Justin Tucker's leg um, <laughs> and the fact that referees can't count uh, seconds. On a game clock, we're going to walk through all of that, so make sure you check that out. We always have a really great time. I'm on with him once a month, talking either fantasy, talking football, cutting it up, having a great time. It's a great show. You guys definitely need to check it out. Derek, before you go, throw out your socials for the good people so they can check out your content. Joey, I appreciate that. I always really love having you on my other podcast. We said we were going to do this on Lions Bears Week. Here we are. (laughs) I ended it talking about your guy number one. I do hope my Lions come out on top. But um, yeah, everybody, if they want to check out, I'm always talking football, fantasy football on my Twitter feed. That's at Derek Oakry, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Same on IG as well. And then we've got the Kool-Aid cast, but we also have Believe in Lions, which now has Jerry Ball, uh, Lions legend, a real big defensive tackle there on the show, as well as Jack Cavanaugh is joining that show. So we have a lot of fun talking ball there. And and like you say, on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast drops Wednesdays and Fridays. We definitely uh, have a little fun there and, and, and try to make people laugh as well as uh, talk ball and uh, preview these ball games because we are only at week four, my friend. There's lots of football still to be played. So I can't thank you enough for having me on. It's always fun to chat with you, especially when our teams are about to go head up. Yeah, man, and we're going to definitely bring you back, hopefully before Thanksgiving. Definitely have you on Thanksgiving week. And Bears fans listening right now, make sure you go check out that podcast, especially this week too, because if you want to learn about what's going on with the opponent before you play them, that is the best place to go. Detroit Kool-Aid cast, Believe in Lions. Man, Jerry Ball, Jack Cavanaugh, bringing down all the inside info. Get ready for the game in week four by doing just that. Derek, buddy, great to see you, man. I hope to talk to you soon and see you on the other side. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Hop on that website right now or go on your mobile device. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for all the great offers that they have coming up to win a little cash coming up this weekend. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. We got a couple more coming up the rest of this week. Also talking tandem with this pod right now. Stick around. We're going to be talking to Fox Sports own Gunnar Ludwig. We're also going to be talking some Lions with him too as well. I go way back with him, getting excited to cut it up, so make sure you check that out. Stick around. Till though, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, NFL, it's back. It's better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron right now as teams are back on the field for another football season. And as always, BetOnline, it's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, there are more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So what are you waiting for? Head on the website or use your mobile device right now to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. Football, basketball, boxing, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Only at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. So excited. This is part one of part two of a double half of talking to the eye on the enemy, talking to some Lions fans here as the Bears-Lions get ready to lock tails or teeth or fur in week four, if you will. But first, let's bring in 
one of my good buddies. He's been on the podcast before. Super to have him back. Spectrum Sportsnet's own Gunnar Ludwig and the former host of a podcast that we used to do back in the day, Unrestricted. He had to remind me, but it was a great time. Gunnar, how are you, man? Welcome to the pod. I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm thinking back to the days of you and me and Nikolai Giefer just cutting it up, doing Unrestricted. Do you remember the one time that we would just we put on old uh, baseball games and we would like do commentary <laughs> slash also sports like commentary of the, of the times and topics at the moment? Yeah, it would drive us or we would put on like, you know, an old uh, Patrick Swayze movie or just some, whatever. He had a VHS collection there. And I think there ha he happened and Nico was not a big sports fan, as you know, for some reason he had some old random uh, VHS tapes of baseball games, unless you brought those. Um, but we would just find the most obscure thing to throw on or, or just the most novelty thing. You know, I think once it was point break, which isn't that deep of a dig, you know, but um, but something that would kind of. Yeah, you know, get, get our mojo going when we when we maybe ran out of things to say about LeBron. Yeah, you know what else got our mojo going? Uh, Miller High Life back then. Uh, that was the I think that was the drink of choice. And um, man, great to see you. Great to have you back on the pod because our football teams, they're about to play each other this week. And I don't know if you can honestly say two teams are going in the same directions. You're, you guys are 0-3. <laughs> We're 1-2, and but we feel like we are sliding down this mountain right now of shit and not sure if we're going to be able to get out of it and you would think usually when the bears play the lions you're going to feel good about yourself but bears fans we really don't know heading into this week we don't know what to expect so why don't you just start off by helping giving us a perspective of this Lions season so far you guys are 0-3 but does it really feel 0-3 you guys have been in like in competition of almost every game so far yeah you know um in just the way that the fans and the media are kind of looking at it and talking about it. Um, Dan Campbell's in a pretty good position where he can go 0 and three and look really good doing it. So, um, <laughs> but Dan Campbell can look really good doing just about anything. Let's be honest. Could Matt uh, Patricia do anything and look good doing it? I mean, no, no. It, it would be a much different 0 and three right now. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't have made the late game surge uh, against the 49ers. Um, they wouldn't have hung around in the first half against the Packers. And um, they wouldn't have even been positioned to lose by a devastating field goal last week. So, you know, all those things and their team, the, the teammates would all be pissed and hate him and not want to play for him. So, you know, it's a better anything is an improvement, you know, from from Matt Patricia and um, Dan Campbell is pretty much like, you know, Matt Patricia, you know, is it Eric Banner, the Hulk, well, the, the you know, Bruce Banner, the, like he, he's like him turning into the Hulk is is. Matt is <laughs> is Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is everything that that Matt Patricia wishes he was, um, and also not an asshole. I don't know. Are we, can I swear? Are we? Yeah, absolutely, man. No, no. no and and also not an asshole. So you know he can actually be a tough guy, whereas Patricia is a fake tough guy, and uh, Patricia's a real asshole. And Dan Campbell's actually a good guy that people tend to like being around and, and playing for. So you know, I I, I wasn't um, necessarily thrilled with the with the Dan Campbell hire but I also didn't um, wasn't convinced it was a terrible hire like a lot of people jumped on um, I was kind of right in the middle um, and and if nothing else he's a guy that's easy to root for and you want him to be good because he'd, he'd be a really cool guy to be your head coach it's good to have a head coach that you're pretty confident could beat up anyone else's head coach Sands maybe Mike Vrabel maybe Robert Sala you know those are probably his top competition I'll, yeah um, you know but but I'd still put my money on, on Campbell in any one of those fights. And then he would, you know, they not only he'd, he'd kick their ass, but they would, 
they would like him afterwards. <laughs> the first thing you do is when you sit down your head coach, you say, can he be a cast member in the movie Over the Top? And yeah. if he can be, Dan Campbell, then all of a sudden he he's in on it. And, yeah, no, it's an interesting situation where, obviously, I think after the Matt Patricia situation and you guys have had to do a little, a little rinse and repeat with these coaches and, you know, the only constant really was Matt Stafford for so many years. He's not even there anymore. It's really time to kind of forge a new direction with your franchise. And Dan Campbell is getting that first opportunity. Is it fair to say that maybe he is kind of sort of the perfect coach for the moment? Maybe not the perfect coach for a couple seasons from now. That's yet to be seen when you guys are actually winning games. But right now, maybe more of a hard-nosed guy, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's kind of guy to sort of figure out who on this football team is going to be on hopefully a winning ball club in 2022 and 2023. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he is. And yeah, I mean, there's certainly a possibility that he ends up there long-term. I'd probably bet against it. If you ask me to now, I'd say he's going to be there for two or three years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't know how NFL contracts work. I think they signed him to like five years, but none of that seems like it matters. Um, but uh, you know, I think he'll be there for two to three years. Um, and, and, People will have mixed feelings about the job that he did there, um, you know, and and we'll see how that all goes. So, um, you know, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the good a good coach for the right now, as you said, for the Lions to kind of um, toughen up, have some players on a team that that probably don't have business winning a lot of games, but they're going to find ways to win a few of those games. Um, sorry, is that coming from my? record that garbage truck <laughs> oh that's fine that's fine we want it to be it's fun to be real it's uh, you know the best i can do i tried to shut all the windows but yeah it, it gets through there's a lot of noise in this neighborhood but yeah i mean dan campbell um you know again i i think he's he's a player's coach where matt patricia was the opposite um he's equally as tough and we're going to beat you up and, and we're going to go in there and compete no matter what's on our roster however he can actually do that because players actually want to play for him and, you know, um, I, I think that that's, that's the, the best thing about him. And, and also that, look, whether or not he can actually coach a football team on a high level in the NFL, um, I think he hired two pretty damn good coordinators. Um, and, and that was what I was mostly excited about. And, you know, the, all the things that the people on his coaching staff, um, you know, all seem to be pretty impressive hires for a team that's kind of going into a full blown rebuild that has a pretty much been the worst franchise in the history of the NFL yeah. and not, you know, the prospects right now aren't really any good for the next few years. Um, maybe some of these guys wanted to coach for him. Maybe some of these guys, you know, didn't have any other opportunities where maybe they should have, um, you know, even for, a, you know, the roster that, that doesn't have a lot to scare you with. I've actually liked some of the things I've seen out of Anthony Lynn's offense and some of the creative ways, especially to get the ball to, uh, to Swift and Hawkinson. Um, who are really the only two plus players, playmakers on this team, um, and to to do something with with Jared Goff and quite possibly the worst wide receiver group in the NFL, um, you know, it, it's 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 been fairly impressive relative to what's on the roster and what the expectations were. Yeah, and I think that's something that Bears fans need to keep an eye on heading into Sunday, where this isn't just your old zero and three Lions. I think I'm hearing a lot from Lions analysts like yourself and other people that. There is just a little whiff of being a little pleasantly surprised. You guys knew that this year was probably going to be a little tough because you accrued all this draft capital. Like you said, you're trying to figure out who's going to be on your team moving forward. 
But you guys are in all these games. I think, is it really just kind of coming down to when you're watching these Lions games, they just can't put together four quarters of football? Is that a little bit of what's going on, especially offensively? Yeah, I mean, you know, the game one against the 49ers, they got absolutely blown out for about uh, two and a half to three quarters. The, the final score was a little deceiving, even though they did have the ball with an opportunity to tie the game. A little garbage time, a lot of, right? Yeah. A lot, yeah, garbage time that almost got serious. Um, but it was definitely an example of NFL teams doing what they often do and just getting a little too comfortable uh, playing conservative with a big lead. And all of a sudden, you know, somehow Jared Goff and the Lions are marching down the field with a chance to tie the game if, if they could have scored a touchdown and gotten two points. Um, you know, a lot of fluky things had to go their way. So it was a little deceiving, but it was still like, you know, for Lions fans and, and, and for Dan Campbell, it was a perfect opportunity to say, you know, we're going to be tough. We're going to compete in every game. Um, game two, they played pretty good, pretty well in the first half against the Packers and then got kind of, you know, Aaron Rodgers and ran away with the game in the second half. Well, I mean, half yeah, had, had the lead, had the lead and then didn't score in the second half. You know? Yeah. And I mean, um, to, but to be honest, and again, I'm not going to be overly optimistic. That's how a lot of NFL games go. You know, it's even if it's even if it's Rams Jaguars, it might go that way. So, you know, it, it's it's not that big of a deal to be up three at halftime. It just isn't, you know, and um, it, it's nice and it shows that they're going to compete a little bit. And then last week, um, especially defensively, it was kind of the first time all season they've played well defensively. Um, they gave Lamar Jackson some issues, slowed him down quite a bit, um, and and the Ravens offense in general, and really, you know, should have been able to win a game that they lost in epic Lions fashion, which it, it just, my, my reaction to the field goal that bounced off the upright and went in by about two yards, it, you know, NFL record field goal, it's just such a way, we, the Lions lose two or three games a, a season like that, where it would be most teams' worst loss of franchise history. And it's just, it's just normal place. The Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary, Calvin Johnson fumbling at the one yard line against the Seahawks. It's, it's just, you know, Calvin Johnson setting the ball down and, and getting called an incomplete pass against the bears was kind of where a lot of this started. Not a, it's um, not a catch gunner. It just it's, wasn't a catch. <laughs> yeah. That's a conversation for another day, but, um, but, but, you know, these are normal things for the lions and normal ways for them to lose, unfortunately. And it's yeah. just the truth. So my, my reaction, I, I, honest to God, I was watching the game by myself and I just erupted into laughter for about uh, five minutes. Um, it, it, it started as just a, a funny chuckle, and then it turned into kind of a Mr. Burns sinister evil <laughs> laugh after a while. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, it almost feels like you want to bring in like a Lions fan into one of those like focus groups or one of those therapy focus groups and just put some headlines in front of them, and they have a button that says whether they believe it or not. And like the first one is like, Lions lose after 95 yard field goal. And you just go beep, believe it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lions lose after, after uh, Hornets sting quarterback in face <laughs> on final play of game. You just like up, oh, I believe it. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, that's a little bit of what's going on with you guys heading into week four. But at the same time, I'm also kind of hearing a little bit that you guys, you know, feel a little, I don't want to say emboldened, but maybe, a little bit more optimistic about the way that you just played against Lamar Jackson. Conversely, now most likely going up against a rookie like Justin Fields with the same kind of skill set in Week Four. Am I kind of hearing that a little bit? Do you feel like you got a little bit of a chance this week? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a chance. You yeah. know, um, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that the gap between these teams is too big right now. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not 
this isn't me trying to take a shot at Bears fans because they're very educated football fans. They're very diehard fans, and I really respect the fan base and and um, the dedication. Um, but I think the Bears fans has a, have a history of convincing themselves their roster is better than it is. Oh, and, sure. Um, and, sure. And, um, and, and I'm a little, you know, I'm going to kick this one back to you a little bit. Like, I, I totally understand a lot of the Matt Nagy bashing, but there's part of me that thinks it's being a little bit exaggerated right now um, that, I mean, man, we're, we're dragging the guy for not starting Justin Fields week one as if it's such an obvious decision. And when Justin Fields goes on the field, he's so obviously not ready to play in the NFL right now. And, you know, you can, we can say that's because he's not putting him in positions to succeed. I think he could still be a very good quarterback long-term, but um, we're in love with, with rookie quarterbacks, NFL fans, you know, we, we are obsessed with them. We, we will never remember that the vast majority of them are not good right away. And many of them are never good. We will never remember that no matter how many times, Five quarterbacks are drafted in the first round. We're convinced they're all pro bowlers that are going to turn every one of those franchises around. Maybe two of them will be, you know, and and none of them are looking that good right now this year. I know we're only a few games in, but, um, you know, it's just, we expect it to happen too fast. And, you know, I would think that, I I guess you could blame Nagy for not finding ways again to, to get uh, Justin Fields to succeed. But I would think that how he looked in the field the first few games is a little more evidence that maybe it was the right decision to start Andy Dalton out the gate and not Justin Fields behind this really bad offensive line to boot. Um, and, you know, it's just the fact that, that, that the reaction to that seems to be more um, bashing Nagy and firing Nagy and defending Fields is a little bit weird to me. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a disconnect there to me. And yeah, that's know. that's a very that's a very fair point that you're bringing up. And honestly, you know, um, a lot of people are listening to this audio only, but I see you on video right now. You look very, you look very healthy and look very happy, which means you probably didn't watch the Browns Bears game. Um, so good for you, good for you on not doing that uh, last week. I do not recommend that you do that. And I think a little bit of what we're going through goes a little something like this, where I, for one, I've said on this podcast before that I had no problem with us starting with Andy Dalton. You know, let's see how far it goes. Let's try and set him up for success. I kind of said all along that I was hoping that week four would have been Justin Fields' first start. But obviously Andy Dalton got hurt and he was forced into action. And now we're kind of seeing the results that we're seeing. The big thing that was being sold to us was that Andy Dalton, as you said, is a veteran quarterback can do things that Justin Fields can't. And all we were hearing all season, all training camp long was that he was be able to push the ball down the field. He showed accuracy in that 15 to 25 yard marker and was doing things that Justin Fields maybe wasn't necessarily ready to do. We said, okay, fine. Week one comes around and we're, our offense is literally a meme where they do all the clusters of where all the throws went and Andy Dalton doesn't throw the ball past 10 yards once doesn't even try you know what I mean doesn't even make an attempt to even maybe move the ball down the field so then all of a sudden the Bears fans kind of scratching his head a little bit and he's saying well if we're only throwing the ball 10 yards down the field pretty sure Justin Fields can do that it's kind of maybe I don't know is he maybe wasting our time I'm not sure exactly what's going on move forward to week two Andy Dalton gets hurt Fields comes in it's a dirty inning makes a lot of sense that it doesn't always kind of work out Fields actually made a couple good throws down the field just didn't come down with any catches move forward into this Cleveland Browns game, man, and here is the problem, and I'm with you. He's a rookie. There's going to be some incredible highs, and there's probably going to be some incredible lows, right? There's going to be some serious bumps in the road with any rookie quarterback, 
and you kind of hope that he works through it and develops and becomes a player that's a little bit different in years uh, years forward. But what our coach did was so was such an effort in malpractice against this rookie quarterback. I mean, I, you know, let's do a cross sports analogy. It's literally like you draft a center, like you draft I don't know whatever Dwight Howard or something, and in his first game you have Dwight Howard you know, bringing the ball up on offense and initiating the, you know, it's almost like they had him in these awful positions and, and you mentioned it, you know, did they put him in a position to succeed? No, they did not. Um, was it a rookie playing on the road in his first NFL start? Yes, it was. You put those two things together and that's going to explode a Bears fan's mind. I just think what it is now is it's not so much we're blaming it all on Matt Nagy. We're just asking ourselves the serious question of this guy had five months to figure out, I got Justin Fields plays. I'm so excited to let this guy play. When this guy plays, wait till you see what play I call. He had all this time, and when he finally gets into that moment, it looks that bad, and they play that poorly. We're now just asking ourselves the question of, it isn't just about one game. It's about the rest of Justin Fields' career. And, you know, and Matt Nagy, is he the coach for Fields? And if he's not the coach for Fields, get out of here. You know, okay, get out yeah. of here. Don't ruin the kid. Don't continue to infect him with whatever offensive scheme that we like and we don't like. And, and Gunner, I got another stat for you. In 48 games now that Matt Nagy has been a head coach, 48, we have scored 20 or less 28 times. Yeah, that's not, not good. good. It's, that's not good, man. That's not NFL football, right? And, again, we overrate our roster. I hear you. I get that. But at the same time, I mean, man – there is kind of a little bit of a difference of there's a lot of ways to walk into 24 points in the NFL nowadays and 28 times out of 48, we can't even get to 20. It's a problem. And eventually you do got to kind of look at the coach a little bit. Yeah. And and that's totally fair. I, I'm not trying to um, claim that Matt Nagy's a great coach and doesn't deserve blame. Um, I just think that the, uh, there, there might be a little bit of an imbalance with um, how, how much we're bashing him, uh, versus how much we've been praising Justin Fields all uh, all preseason. Perspective is important, and dude, we're we're right there with you. We're so excited to watch him play and succeed yeah. that when he doesn't, we're literally like, uh, yeah, it's like the helicopter parent who's going up to the teacher and being like, "Why is it my kid doing better in class?" And at some point, also, it does have to come down to the kid as well. Yeah, and I mean, again, like now where where I do see the um the problem with Nagy and and I try not to get too much into like coach speak and all that kind of stuff but even the way that he kind of talked about him preseason was so kind of old school it was reminding me of Matt Patricia it was very much you know reading between the lines it was like he's just a kid he'll play when I goddamn say he'll play you know it that's what it felt like it it it, it and again, these things, we overrate these things, but it does matter to a young quarterback who seems to, you know, um, you know, they all, their egos can be fragile at that age. Justin Fields has not been used to going on a football field with a bad team compared to his opponent. That's what a lot of, you know, college quarterbacks that play at these big time schools. He's used to going out there with a much better offensive line than his opponent's defense. A much, his receivers are beating you know, the coverage every time he's got the better team and they're going to kick your ass. And, and that's what he was used to at Ohio State. That's what he's been used to his whole life. So it's 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 got to be a massive adjustment, especially for guys like that. I actually think that it's almost an advantage. I always think in college to to face a little more adversity there because there's some college football 
um, quarterbacks that just don't really face adversity in college. You might lose a game or two, but you know, when you're at a powerhouse program, you're just not facing much adversity. And um, you know, so yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really feel like uh, Matt Nagy. I mean, he could have even talked about it a little bit more like, you know, the chiefs talked about Mahomes, where it's like, look, this guy's the future. This guy's unbelievable. I, I didn't really hear a lot of stuff like that from him. Trust me, this guy will be starting soon. Yeah. And we think he can win super bowls and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he kind of talked like a coach who doesn't necessarily think he's going to be around when Justin Fields is winning games for them. Well, and also on top of that too, I mean, it's a great point you're making because he talked, it was almost like a course correction in how he referred to Trubisky the first couple of years, honestly, because with that stuff, he tried to build up Mitch through the media. You know what I mean? And this has just been a little bit more of the opposite of like, we know what Justin can do, but Justin has a lot of work to do and, and so on and so forth. And and I'm with you. The tenor there has been a little it's been a little tempered in terms of the excitement of hopefully what is going to be our franchise quarterback. And he's gone out of his way to keep pumping up Andy Dalton over and over. And look, like I've brought this up on this pod before where I've also mentioned the concept of and you're kind of leading to it a little bit of, you know, Matt Nagy is trying to protect fields, you know, by starting Dalton. And also when Dalton gets hurt and he says, you know, when Andy is healthy, he's our starter. It doesn't make Matt Nagy tone deaf. It also maybe makes him creates this fail safe for if Fields doesn't play well. He can easily go back to Dalton and be like, look, this was the plan all along. Justin Fields hasn't failed. But at the same time, we, you know, we're, we're still continuing the development and he's our backup and it kind of sort of gets everyone out of it a little smoothly. The only thing that I'll say, man, is just we we were we were just shocked is really what it is. And, and you brought up another good point about college defenses. And I think it was Trent Dilfer on a pod yesterday, so I'm not like making this up on my own. But what he said was that in college, what's so great about college is you throw to receivers that are three yards open. In the NFL, you throw to receivers that are one foot open. Yeah, you hear that a lot from, and that's a, from the guys that know what they're talking about. Right, and that's a huge, huge difference. And for Justin, it's not just about recognition, but it's that trust and being like, hey, I'm in the NFL now. When a guy makes a break and I think I'm going to see a little space open – Ball's got to be out of your hands. And I'll be honest, in that Browns game, I saw four or five opportunities where he probably could have gotten the ball to some open receivers. But that half second, that millisecond of just maybe waiting to make sure that he was open, I don't want to make a mistake, probably had the pocket collapse on him. On the other side, though, Matt Nagy had the dude in five-man protection. He didn't bring in any tight ends. We dressed five tight ends. One of them played six snaps. One of them played one target. The other three didn't play in the game. So he didn't bring anyone up to max protect in front. He had him in shotgun the entire time, which honestly we were kind of still having traumatic triggering moments from when we lost six games in a row last year. It was Nick Foles in the shotgun the whole time, and our offensive line had no chance. And yet all this stuff is starting to leak out about how Justin Fields actually probably prefers playing under center a little bit. Likes getting that play action game. Likes maybe, you know, he doesn't mind turning his back on the defense because he's going to take a little bit of a deeper drop and he's got the speed to get out of the pocket. He wants plays that maybe developed as a touch longer and he has the athleticism to maybe overcome a bad offensive line. We didn't run any of that. So you're kind of sort of asking yourself the question, if everything that you're saying is true, Gunner, why aren't they trying to do things that, that the kid just naturally is comfortable doing? And just trying yeah. to see if you can build some success off of that, you know, and I think that's where Bears fans are really getting riled up about that aspect of what happened last week. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Again, 
I'm I I would not be um, pushing back if Nat, Matt Nagy lost this game on Sunday and got fired on the spot. I understand. Oh, the, oh yeah. The justification there. I understand the argument. Um, I guess I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate because the Bears Bears fans do have a little bit of a history of um, again um, not knowing know, anything about quarterbacks. Like you know what yeah. I mean. Like we 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 think we know what a star quarterback looks like, but we've never had one, so well, therefore we actually don't really know what it is. You know, it's th- fair. That might be true, but you know, um, but again, a little bit of a history of talking themselves into the roster um, being better than it really is, and 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 it all being the coach's fault when the team's record is what it predictably should be should have you know they should have thought it was and i mean look at like i mean lovey smith took him to a super bowl with rex grossman and they were calling for his head a few years later so you know i mean like if 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 you thought those lovey smith teams were underperforming talent wise i I think you're out of your mind i I think he was able to take teams with no offense to the playoffs on a regular basis i'm not saying he's bill belichick you know i'm not I, i understand that he was there for a long time and maybe he'd run his course you know, much like Jim Caldwell in Detroit was doing a solid job, but I understand the team wanting to try something else, you know? So, um, but again, but I real just, quick, both franchises have been in the wilderness ever since, since we absolutely. fired Lovey in 2013, we've just been bringing in one shitty coach after shitty coach after bad offense, after we had a couple of years where our bet defense was bad and the lions the same too. So you know, once they did get rid of Caldwell, right? It's just been a turnstile in the coaching room. Yeah, for sure. You know, so yeah, you know, you can look at those things any way you want. I just think that again, um, I think there's more problems with the bears roster than the coach. I I think hopefully Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future. I just don't think there should have been expectations to make the playoffs this year. I I just, I, I don't think, you know, maybe, you know, Bears, we've joked about this off air. The Bears have had a history of um, somehow sneaking into the playoffs with the most boring and uninspiring roster in the NFL. So maybe they could have had one of those years. I was looking back. I don't know how a few years ago with Mitch Trubisky, they went 12 and four. I still don't understand that. I know Khalil was, I think Khalil Mack was a monster that year, if I remember correctly. We had a but, ton of takeaways, ton of defensive yeah. tutties. And then the first six or seven weeks of the season, our offense actually was legitimately good. And then the NFL sort of figured out what Matt Nagy likes to do sort of petered out and then it's been petering out really kind of ever since yeah and they've been mediocre i think going eight and eight the the next two years right so um and and that's right around where i would imagine they are this year another note though to me is that um i I would be calling for ryan pace's job before matt Nagy's. he you know he's been there longer and he's really never done anything to improve this offense. So, you know, how they came into this season with such a bad offensive line, I'll admit, I don't know all the details if they lost some guys preseason, but um, you know, how they haven't fixed that and put that together when the one thing that they have really on offense is a really good young running back, um, you know, and that's, that that's confusing, but to your point, you know, again, a lot of the blame still falls on Nagy. I did how, again, I, I really only caught the, the red zone portions of, of the game last week. So I can't act like I'm, I'm breaking down all the ins and outs of Fields' performance, but when you see a guy who plays a full game and doesn't throw for 70 yards, you can assume he performed poorly. Um, but, um, you know, if, if they're lining up in five wide, I mean, you need to at least have the defense, have the threat that we're going to run right into your face with Montgomery, our one really good player on offense. You have to have the threat out there of that, right? So, um, and, and really you should be giving him the ball as much as you can 
to to kind of help take the pressure off of a rookie quarterback and 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 also a quarterback that probably wouldn't mind setting up some play action you know rollouts and things like that getting him outside of the pocket um you know um try, we didn't you do know. any of that dude we didn't do any of that dude count yourself lucky you didn't watch the game we had 47 net yards on offense the first play of the game was a 16 yard run to david montgomery so if you missed the first play of the game <laughs> miss you over missed over a third of our total offense the rest of the yeah. day and if you add up all the sacks i think it actually brings it down to like one net offensive yard so a lot to just a lot a lot a lot to improve upon and i just think every single game now matt Nagy is under the magnifying glass and it is a referendum on whether he deserves to be on the Bears moving forward. And you're bringing up a great point, too. Can Ryan Pace actually fire Matt Nagy without also probably acknowledging that he himself cannot do the job and he should be the next one out the door? That's also kind of one of those things, too, where I would probably maybe say, you know, Matt Nagy's job is probably safe unless the scenario is we we drop another egg, another stinker on the lakefront to your Lions, score 14, 13 points again. And then, man, I don't, I don't know what happens. It's all kind of, kind of up for grabs. I want to move over to the matchup, though, real quick. I want to start getting some, you know, I want the listeners to learn a little bit more about the Lions. There's some stuff that you like that you don't like, and we'll talk about some of these matchups in the game. Let's start first with, you know, as a Lions fan coming in this game week four. What about, you know, if you're looking at the Bears or maybe you're looking at maybe some of your team's strengths right now? What do you think are some areas of this football game that the Lions can take advantage of and be successful in against this Bears team? Well, again, I, you know, the, the Lions coordinators have started to find clever ways to, to make use of the somewhat limited roster that they have. So um, I, I, I was impressed with the defensive effort last week. Um, Trey Flowers was out who obviously hasn't played up to his contract, but is still might, you know, as disappointing as it sounds, might be the most talented player on their defense. He's still um, in uniform, and Jamie Collins cannot say that. So you've got that going for you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I don't think Lions fans are going to miss Jamie Collins much, um, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how much how much we can uh, uh, chalk up the the defense defense to him. But um, you know, yeah. I mean, piece wise, there's not much I like on the defense, but they played tough yesterday or uh, last week. Um, and they found some found some ways to slow down Lamar Jackson in, in Baltimore. Um, but, um, you know, really the, the one positive for me as a Lions fan and in coming into this season is the few things that we thought might be good on this roster right now that might not only be good this year, but might be good building blocks into the future um, have all been pretty good. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Swift has, has looked great, you know, when they can get him the ball, especially in the passing game. The offensive line looks pretty good. And Penny Sewell, who really struggled in the preseason, has had a few, you know, a, a, few, a few missed assignments in the regular season, but has actually looked much like a developing first round pick and a guy that could be a franchise left tackle someday. Um, so uh, all those things have looked pretty good. Again, the coaching staff looks like they know what they're doing more or less we'll, we'll more on that later we don't really know that much about them yet but um nobody's really calling i haven't really heard anybody calling um what the lions have done so far a disappointment or embarrassment and that's just because when the bar is so low you know you can't possibly limbo underneath it but um but but and there, there's a few teams that look worse than them which is is nice that was yeah. one thing i was really hoping for yes jets yeah the one thing i was really hoping for as a lions fan is they won't be the worst team in the league this year 
Um, I, I know a lot of people want the first overall pick. That's great. But, but you know, that's, I, I don't want the worst team in the NFL. I've had that before. It doesn't always result in actually paying off on a first overall pick. We'll see, you know, we'll see if it, if it does this year. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, th those things are all have all been pretty good. Um, and they seem to want to play to win. They don't seem to be going into a season with, you know, an attitude where their coach doesn't care about them and where they're just trying to tank and get a draft pick. And, and that that is a big difference. If you want to keep the players that you want to build around happy, you want to make them feel like you care about winning football games and you care about how they look on Sundays and not just how your team's going to look in a year or two. And, you know, finding ways to, to lose games like some teams did last year, the Jets and Jags it did some very questionable things at the end of games to basically throw games mm -hmm. for the number one overall pick. So um, I don't think that you're going to, going to see that um, with a Dan Campbell team. I'm not saying they won't lose a few games in devastating fashion, uh, that they won't make some bad decisions, but I don't think there's going to be any point this year where he says, you know, what probably happened to the Jets last year against, I think it was the Raiders, basically give me a play where one of my guys can get beat. So we lose this game. That's not going to happen. Um, so, you know, they, they want to go out there and, and look like a competitive football team. So, yeah, I mean, the, the positives, I mean, TJ Hawkinson does look like one of the best tight ends in the league right now. And I, I think he can be a top five, you know, or so tight end for the next, you know, eight years yeah, or so yeah, real quick. A lot with the tight end group in the NFL right now. Yeah, I definitely want to ask you um, about your receivers in a moment. But, yeah, can you just go a little bit further on TJ Hawkinson? Let these Bears fans and their listeners know a little bit more about this player, a guy who's had a fantastic training camp. We saw him a little bit last year. He burned us a little bit. But just just talk a little bit about, yeah, more about, like, I mean, this guy's kind of a rising star, not just in your offense, but kind of among the tight ends in the league right now. He really is. And, um, you know, he, he – he doesn't look quite as flashy as say, you know, um, a, a Waller, um, you know, some of those Kelsey, some of those guys. Um, but I mean, I almost like equate him to a, a modern, a more modern uh, Jason Witten. If you look at like Jason Witten in his prime, he's a little more athletic than that, obviously. Um, and, and those sorts of things, but like really sound route runner. Um, and, and that might just be because he doesn't tend to look as explosive as some of the other guys I mentioned, but, um, you know, um, yeah, made some mistakes, had some ups and downs his first few years, but made the pro bowl last year, had a really good year. And, um, these first few games, he's been a big part of their offense and, and especially in the red zone. Um, and he's a great receiver and a great blocking tight end, which is, you know, getting rarer with these kind of big freak high, you know, big freak, uh, you know, kind of NBA style tight ends that we're seeing. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a security blanket for Jared Goff when they don't have a lot of receivers, you know, he can give you those six to eight yards when you need somebody to dump it off to. And, and he's a real threat in the red zone and, and really good route runner, really clever at finding ways to get open. So, um, you know, I, I yeah, he, he's, he's a tough player and, and he's definitely one of those pieces on the lions that is going to, um, hopefully, you know, carry over into their into their long-term rebuild. Um, you know, the only, the only, the only negative so far this year in terms of those long-term building pieces uh, would be that Jeff Okuda, you know, um, ruptured Achilles second game, first or second game in the season and um, really looked horrible his first year. I know he's a rookie cornerback. It's not a position that, that, that tends to be great as a rookie third overall pick though. You're, you know, I mean, I think 
pro football focus had him ranked as the worst cornerback in the NFL. So, you know, whatever that means to you, um, you know, and <laughs> that doesn't mean I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I assume it's, it's, it's got some validity. <laughs> I guess this thing, like going back to like our single days, just like someone just being like, uh, you were ranked as like the worst boyfriend in the Los oh, Angeles area, whatever that means to you. It's, it's like, so true when you think about, when you put it in that perspective, we are so cruel to these these athletes, especially at a young age, we're ranking them and just writing articles about how they're the worst in the world at what they do when really they're actually very good at it. That's why they're even in position to be ranked. Um, but but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like there's a there's a good chance that, that Jeff Okuda is going to be a bust. It, there just is. I know we're only two years in his career, but look terrible first year ruptured achilles second year Not or yet. at least you at rehab least a, that now now you got to rehab that it's just, if, you uh, know who yeah. knows if he'll even be fully ready to go next season he probably will but you know at a position like that 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 um that you know involves so much speed and cutting and and putting pressure on that leg um yeah will it hinder him at all um we'll see I just there's a good chance that if Jeff Okuda does turn into even a fringe pro bowl player it's going to be with a different team so yeah. um you know th that that one might be a bust but again all the other pieces that they hope to come in with uh long term are looking really good and there's not many of them but the ones that were there are, are looking really good now they just need a quarterback receivers and everything on defense <laughs> it's like the so the Bears. You haven't heard this one, but uh, after last season, after that terrible playoff game against the Saints, um, our president of operations, who's just the businessman, he's the accountant for the team, but he's in charge of football or whatever. Ted Phillips. He comes out there, and he goes, uh, he goes, you know, uh, we haven't have we won a lot of football games? No. Have we got the quarterback position right? No everything else is there and you're just like wait what <laughs> that's all that there is you just got to win games we don't have a quarterback what the hell are you talking about uh, yeah. i got two you more not have a quarterback and win games but <laughs> but, but you can't have one you gotta have one or the other and have one or the other buddy and then everything yeah. everything else is though everything else is there Every, the yeah. pieces are in place uh we got two more for spectrum sports nets gunner ludwig here on bet on chicago the first one is i want to get to your wide receivers a little bit now, from a Bears perspective, now let's see. That's the thing. From a Bears perspective, I got to do some googling for that one. <laughs> uh, Quintez with a Q, by the way. Um, so the Bears, you know, with our secondary right now, you know, Tayshawn Gibson. I don't know. We're taping this on a Thursday afternoon right now. I don't know if he's going to practice, but he missed last week's game. He might not be able to go. We've had nickel problems with uh, Duke Shelley. You know, Kendall Vildor's played okay, but let's be honest, he's not Kyle Fuller. So every single game, I'm kind of sort of looking at the opponent's wide receivers and just asking myself, you know, how big of a disadvantage are the Bears at heading into this game? Because I like our front seven. In this particular game, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm not dragging anybody here, but I sort of see this as, you know, a net neutral, just kind of a wash between our secondary and your receivers. So just talk to Bears fans. You know, Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas, Obviously, Tyrell Williams is on the IR. That hasn't worked out. Brashad Perryman, he's now on the fucking Bears, man. Uh, that didn't work out either. So just kind of talk to us about, you know, how bereft, how thin are you guys at wide receiver? And, you know, objectively, could this be maybe, I don't know if an advantage for the Bears, but at least maybe a net neutral between a vulnerable secondary versus a bad wide receiving crew? Right. I, I You know, if – any secondary as a net neutral against the Lions wide receiving core, that is saying something 
godly awful. Good to know. <laughs> about your secondary. I, again, I haven't studied the Bears secondary too deep this year, um, but I cannot overstate how bad the Lions wide receiver corps are. I, you know, to say, like some of these guys have gone out there and made a few catches that, you know, you can Where's uh, Tom lead. Kennedy. Give me Tom Kennedy. Let's go. Well, their 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 leading wide receiver in in yards is uh, a man named Khalif Raymond. Um, you know, I I don't know anything about him other than what I've seen him do in the game. I'm going to click on him right now. Let's see. He went to Holy Cross. Apparently, he's a big wide season. receiver school. Big wide receiver school. Holy Cross. Yeah, fifth season in in the NFL. Last year he had 187 yards for the Titans. So and now this year he has 136 already for the Lions. So favorite food um, is pizza. Ah, it's like the little league stats. That's all they right. There was it. some hope for Tyrell Williams, who who's been out. I, I don't think he's expected to be back this week. Um, not not really hope for him to be great, but just thoughts that he would be the the leading receiver for them, just kind of by default. Um, yeah, there's not much to worry about here. Um, Quintez Cephas has made a few nice red zone catches, but he's just hasn't existed other than catching a couple touchdowns. Um, you know, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown has made a couple of those nice little, uh, slot receiver catches. I think long-term he could be a pretty good slot receiver, but it's not going to be anything. I, I don't expect him to be anything pro bowl caliber at all. Yeah. The training like camp that. buzz has fizzled and he's going yeah. through the rookie motion. But, you know, right? I think he eventually could be a really yeah. solid third receiver who plays in the slot you know um but you know that's kind of his ceiling um yeah the the, the the there was no real concern about the wide receiver core this year just because you know the, they had several guys up for contract last year uh that they weren't going to resign um Mar marvin jones and kenny galladay it's funny they went from having actually really good receivers when they were healthy to, you know, probably the worst group in the NFL sans the jets. I don't know anyone who plays that position for the jets. I believe they do have wide receivers. Um, I'm told, but I, I I'm not, I can't name any of them. So the jets might give us a run for our money there in just about anything negative you want to say. I think the jets are going to give you a run for your money, but, um, but if that's what your comparison, if, if you're hanging your hat on the jets might be worse than us than at, at, X, Y, or Z, then, you know, you're not in a good place. So no, not a lot of threats here. Um, again, some guys that are playing somewhat admirably considering uh, the low bar, but um, you know, the, their leading receivers are TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. And, and that's going to continue, especially with a, a guy like Jared Goff, who's still probably a little gun shy after um, kind of getting thrown under the bus somewhat fairly so with the Rams, but you know, um, solid quarterback, not great quarterback, as we know Jared Goff to be. Um, but, uh, you know, a little gun shy, I think to take shots and, and you probably should be with this wide receiver core, right? He doesn't have Cooper cup and Robert Woods anymore. He doesn't have guys that are going to beat, um, you know, beat the secondary on a regular basis and are going to take balls away from cornerbacks or anything like that. He just doesn't have them. So, um, you know, understandably so, but yeah, I mean, you're going to see a creative screen game from hopefully in, in short game and, and for Hawkinson and Swift to kind of hopefully hide those receivers. And then, and then we'll go to them when we need to, um, you know, they have made a few catches late in games to kind of um, get, you know, surprising drives down the field. So we'll see, but, but yeah, there's, there's nothing to really fear in, in this uh, wide receiver group unless, unless you're afraid of Khalif Raymond. <laughs>
And uh, to this point, at this time, time stamping it, uh, I am not. Um, so at this particular time, final one for you, Gunner. I ask this uh, whenever I bring on the opponents onto uh, the Bet on Chicago pod to talk some Chicago sports. I'm going to phrase it to you like this. Fill in the blank for me. The Chicago Bears will win in week four if blank. If the Lions turn the ball over more than the Bears, um, you know, 90% chance of rain on Sunday, Gunner, by the way. Ooh. Hello, Bears Jared Goff. Love a nice rain game, don't they? A nice rainy soldier field game with that defense and no quarterback. They love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not look at the weather. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, th- th- this game could go either way. I, I really do think that. I mean, look, um, most of the Lions podcasts that I've been listening to this week have been predicting a Lions win, acting like it was a mega bold prediction. Um, you know, it's a somewhat bold prediction. I think it's a three-point spread. This isn't. Uh, these are two bad teams, you know. And and um, you guys, a thousand percent have a chance this week. I was confident, you know, all season long. But as the season has kind of unfolded through the first three games, you guys one thousand percent have a chance to win on Sunday for sure. Yeah, and and the chance is going to be come if if you know they can do uh, defensively what they did last week, then the Lions will win because you know it's just you're you've got again you've got a quarterback that's failed to throw for seventy yards in two straight games, and a lot of that might be on the offense they're running, but I don't necessarily assume that's going to change drastically um, this week. You know, I, I, I'm and we talked about the possibility you think is real. And I think um, the odds makers are saying Nagy is now the most likely coach to get fired first this season. Um, You know, that's, you can, you can bet on that. That's kind of a sinister thing to bet on, but people do. Um, So um, yeah. So look, I, I, again, this game could go a lot of ways, but I'm predicting the lions come into soldier field and get their first win 20 to 16 Lions. It's going to be a sloppy game with a couple turnovers, a lot of field goals, a game that feels like neither team should have won because it's probably going to be one of those games where nobody scores for the last eight minutes. And it keeps looking like that, you know, you gave the other team the ball for the winning score, but these aren't teams that get winning scores. So um, yeah, that that's, it's going to be a sloppy, ugly game. The Lions are going to win their first game. That's my prediction. Um, and I think we're going to get, you know, one turnover from, from the Lions, two or three from the Bears, and that's going to be the difference. I appreciate your enthusiasm. I have a very, very similar score, but obviously the teams are flipped. I think Bears win 20 to 17, but I'm right there with you, man. I think we learn nothing. I don't think we learn anything out of this game, right? I think maybe bad weather, maybe some turnovers in the mix. Uh, You guys just, you know, you bang your head on the wall for one more week, maybe losing a close game, maybe looking at a couple of plays here and there. And as a Chicago Bears fan, unfortunately, and dude, you know me, I'm I'm a pretty optimistic guy. But I'm at the point right now where I just don't know if we're going to, you know, see those glimmers of offensive hope. Um, I guess if Justin Fields takes a couple steps in the right direction, if he throws for 100 passing yards, I guess we can kind of call that a win. But I just don't know exactly, like, oh, there are some people, there are some Bears fans, man, that are like, you know what, they're going to come out, they're going to score 35 points. And it's just like, really? Uh, are, we, are we sure about that? And even if they did, what do we learn in that process moving forward as the season progresses uh it could be a close game and i'm right we're right, right with you man it could go either way i do think the bears are going to sneak one out but i just don't think we're going to walk away maybe either of us with the with the best taste in our mouth 
No, I never walk away from a Lions game with a good taste in my mouth. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, I think part of the reason for me predicting this, this win is because I feel like every year I come on your podcast and predict the Lions to lose. So I'm just trying to write that for once. I, I, you know, Change it I, up. Might, I got, <laughs> I, I think the Lions are, and, and again, I think this Lions team is just about in the same place as the Bears kind of talent and performance wise, different, different ups and downs, you know, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's the case. Um, and and yeah, you know, if, if the Bears can find ways to get Justin Fields doing things on his feet, if they can feed Montgomery, which they really should be doing against the very questionable Lions front seven, um, you know, then then, yeah, this could go south fast because the, the, the defensive performance last week from the Lions isn't necessarily thing, something we're going to see carry over. You know, teams in the NFL will do that once in a while. We'll, we'll step up and have, you know, a tough defensive performance against a, a good offense and a good quarterback. Um, you know, if anything, it might be an indictment of just how, how bad the Chiefs defense is looking right now with, with what the Ravens did to them the week before and, you know, losing to the chargers this week. But, um, but I don't necessarily expect those defensive performances to be consistent. Um, however, yeah, as you said, I mean, you know, um, with, with, with this young inexperienced and just not good bears offense right now. Um, and, and I do think our defensive coordinator, uh, Aaron Glenn is, is scheming up some good things and coming up with some creative ways to give the offense problems. You know, hopefully some of that will carry over. Um, and, and yeah, you know, again, this is not the game of the week. Um, if you're not a Lions or Bears fan, you might not be hearing this right now, unless you just really love Joe or me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gunner, uh, Gunner, great to see you, my friend. Uh, super great having you back on the pod. I'm certainly hoping, hoping that the Bears-Lions this Sunday will be as enjoyable as it was enjoyable to see you just now, my friend. we got 30 seconds to go. Cade Cunningham thoughts, go. Let's rock. Oh, man. Uh, you know I was a Cade enthusiast from the get-go, so... This is one I'm, I'm, usually, I'm, I'm usually one who kind of um, reserves my excitements. I'm not expecting them to be great year one, but I think we're going to see some signs. I think I heard Brian Windhorst say something about um, there's three teams that, that he, that have zero chance of making the playoffs this year. And the Pistons are one of them. I think that's crazy. I think like they, they had a good young core. They could still be a bottom feeder team, but they could certainly be a team that sneaks into the play in, in the East. If, if they get feisty quickly, uh, Cade Cunningham, is is perfect style of play for where the NBA has gone. He can do a little bit of everything. I don't know if he's going to win an MVP, but I do think he's a franchise player. Um, I couldn't be any more excited. I can't oversell my stock on him. Uh, you know, I, I am I am so in on Cade. I was so in on Cade pre-draft, pre, um, you know, pre-lottery, as you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of people thought it was a three-man draft, five-man draft. I thought it was a one-man draft. I was convinced that if the, if the Pistons didn't get Cade, they were going to get somebody who I was going to be disappointed by, whoever that was. So, um, to me, it was no question. There's not that many young, talented players I would want to trade him for, and he hasn't even played yet. So, you know, I'm, I'm very high on Cade and his skill set and the attitude and his embracing of Detroit um, yeah, I love the guy. I can't wait. The, you know, it doesn't take that much to get a Detroit fan excited about something right now. So Cade Cunningham is definitely the most exciting thing we've had in Detroit sports for close to a decade. 
I'm rooting for you, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this one, one sentiment where I think the East obviously has gotten better and has gotten a little bit deeper over the past Especially couple of years. Especially on top, though. Bottom still. I was going to jump. Let's say though that that middle, that middle to bottom section is still pretty soft, and there's a lot of really crappy teams on there. Do I think maybe a year from now, maybe you guys get a little bit closer? I'm probably on board with that. But to say that the Pistons have no chance in that bottom part of the East to even maybe sniff a. Uh, a playing game i find that to be pretty pretty crazy and i'll be excited to watch kate cunningham all season long spectrum sports nights gunner ludwig here on bet on chicago man thank you so much for coming on the pod throw out your socials for all the good people if they want to check out your content follow you all your sports taking stuff uh what, what do you got for us it's pretty much just at gunner ludwig on twitter i don't tweet that much but you know once in a while i'll um uh, tweet some disappointment in the lions or <laughs> Maybe I'll bash the Bears on Sunday. Oh, there you go. That That's worth a follow right there. Come see his bashing of the Bears right there. Thanks for coming on so much, man. I uh, hope to see you. Let's bring you back for Thanksgiving back on the pod. We'll talk again. We'll reassess, see where we're at, and see if maybe we're in better spirits than we are heading into week four. Yeah, unlikely. But one of these years, if you keep having me on long enough and keep this up long enough, um, this will actually be an exciting matchup that we're previewing. I, I have faith in that. Eventually, that will happen. As a Lions fan, you have to train yourself to just think, I don't know when and why, but eventually they will be good. Gunner, this is an amazing matchup. So, But first, I want to talk about Medicare with you. Uh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> we, we both qualify now. Yeah. Uh, today's episode of Bet on Chicago, Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. Remember to head on the mobile mobile device or go on the website and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Also go to PlayActionPools.com. Still working with them all season long. Look, if you can't be in the office, you can still win money off of your office friends. Jump into their office survivor pools today at PlayActionPools. Thank you so much for listening to this pod, you guys. We got one more. We got a really special guest coming up in just about a day or so. Make sure you come back and check that out. Till then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.